Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You running so This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the Internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today, I'm going to be continuing on the Courtney Coco trial, bring you more witness statements, and you got to hear this, y'all. It's the stuff you didn't get to hear on the news, and it's all fire. Uh, and Hugo Holland's building this case, continue building, and the cores continuing, in my mind, to sink his client, but that's my personal opinion. Um, 
I love all you lifers. Thank you for listening and please like and share everywhere. This series, especially I, I, this Courtney Coco's murder trial is just so important to me, and and I want everybody to hear it. Okay, and stay tuned to the end of the show today for some real life real crime announcements. Now, um, I left you last with the testimony of Jude Wilson, who is the one that positively identified David and Anthony Burns as backing out of the house where Courtney's body was dumped on the night that she, the, the hours before she was found. He picked her out, picked them out of a photo lineup 16 years later. You know, but go back and listen to it, okay? Uh, um, very interesting. And we're going to continue with it today. The uh, Again, Patreon convicts, thank you for your support. So I'm going to get right back into it. The Hugo Holland, uh, next witness he calls is a man named Clyde Griffin. Now, Clyde Griffin is a black male. He comes in. He's a pretty tall guy, uh, uh, maybe a little heavy, heavy set. He gets sworn in. And first, you know, Hugo says, what's your name? He says, Clyde Griffin. Where do you live? Blah, 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 whatever, right? The basic information. And then Hugo asks him, says, Mr. Griffin, do you want to be here today? Clyde Griffin said, no, I do not want to be here. Um, he said, well, did you know Courtney Coco? And he said, yes, I did. So how did you know him? He said, I knew him from uh, Jackie. Now, y'all, Jackie was Jitty's sister and, and Courtney's best friend. And Jitty was Courtney's boyfriend at the time. All right. He said, well, so, so do you remember – hearing about uh, Cordy's body being found. He said, yeah, yes, sir, I remember it. And he said, when did, when did you last see her? He said, well, I talked to her that Friday and then no more. And and he said, you know what kind of car she drove? He said, yeah, she drove a green Bonneville. He said, all right. Um, he said, did you see her car the, the weekend that she went missing? He said, yeah, I saw it. He said, I saw it on a Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon, riding through the neighborhood. And and he said, he said, well, who was driving it? It was Courtney. And he said, I know I didn't see Courtney. He said, I know it was her car. He saw, I saw a guy driving it. And then he said, I've seen this guy around, but I didn't, I didn't know what his name was. And um, then Hugo puts a, a photo lineup on the screen, y'all, six black males. And he said, did you circle whatever number it was, this guy? And he said, yeah, yes, sir, that's him. That's the guy that was driving the car. He said, did you know his name was Prince? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Ernest Veal, uh, a.k.a. Prince? He said, no, I, I didn't know him. And he said, but that's the guy that was driving Courtney's car. And he said, that was Saturday afternoon in the neighborhood where Courtney lived. He said, yes, sir, it was. So – Tenders a witness, right, to LaCour. LaCour gets up and says, did you call, uh, or, or said, what detective did you talk to? He said, no. He, uh, he said, I first uh, talked to him a few years later, and I told him it was a Saturday. And he said, are you sure it was Saturday? And and he said, yeah, it was a Saturday. And then 
and it was a Saturday of the weekend she went missing. He said, did you talk to Coco that morning that you saw Ville driving in, in the afternoon? And, and he said, no, I talked to him Friday. And Gore said, no more questions, right? So they excuse Clyde Griffin. Now, the next guy I witnessed the call is a guy named Mike Stevens, and he or Steven, he was an investigator for the um, he's now an investigator for the DA's office rep for Rapids Parish. Uh, but back in the day, he he worked for the sheriff's office as a detective, the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office. And basically, y'all, he gives Hugo asked me, he said, Did you try to locate? And he gave them the list of names, one of them being Jackie Hampton, Courtney's best friend, Jitty, Courtney's boyfriend. Uh, and other people that were there at the domino party that Friday night. And he said, yes. I, I, he said, I've looked for him. He said, over 90 addresses, over eight states, and even their family can't tell me where they're at. So it was a lot more to it than that, but it was pretty detailed. And I got to turn some page. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm still reading from my court transcript notes. And so you're going to hear me turning pages and stuff. And I mean, I get everything word for word, but I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing for you. So basically, Hugo's establishing the other people that were there before LaCour has a chance to do it, I guess, that uh, they never were able to find them to interview them for this trial. All right? No harm, no foul. Uh, they're not on trial. So... The witness gets down, and the next witness Hugo calls is Michelle Paul. Now, y'all, Michelle Paul, you've heard me talk about her a lot. Oh, you never heard me say her last name, probably. But she is Courtney Coco's aunt, right? So Hugo gets her on the stand, and he says, you know, um, Michelle, you, you want to be here today? And Michelle says, nothing could keep me away from being here. And he said, okay, well, let's go back to 2004. He said, when were you allowed to get into Courtney's house? And she said, it was 18 days before they released the house to the family, being the cops. He said, now, she said, Lace, being Courtney's sister, was allowed to go in after five days and get the cats out. And she said, he's questioning, right? But basically what she said, she said, when 18 days later, we went in to empty the house. Um, she, she said, yeah, I had been in the house before. The first thing I noticed when I was in there was the comforter was missing. He said, well, why would you notice that? She said, because everybody sleeps with a blanket, right? And I know that she had a leopard skin comforter, and it, it was gone. And he said, well, did you notice anything else in the house? And she said, yeah, I was cleaning out the washroom in the um, – opened the dryer and it had a real, real strong smell of bleach. And there were six to 10 mechanical rags, like, you know, ones mechanics wrap their cloth rags, the mechanics wipe their hands on. And she said, they really smelled like bleach. And she said, it caught me off guard because um, she was thinking, I was like, why does it smell so much like bleach? And, and, what was Courtney doing with mechanic rags? He asked, Hugo asked her, he said, so where did Courtney work? And she said she worked as a receptionist at a dentist's office along with uh, 
my niece Lace. And she, he said, I got nothing further. And the core didn't even try to cross-examine her, right? So she gets down. Now, y'all, they take a break and they send the jury out because they got to do what they call a Daubert hearing. And I'm going to paraphrase the F out of this for you. Uh, the Daubert hearing is when the court is going to certify somebody as an expert in whatever field they're in. And both sides get to ask questions, and the judge at the end of the determination gets to determine whether or not this person is an expert in the, their field. So I, I this went on for a while, but let me tell you, I, I'll read my notes to you what I said. The guy's name is Charles Dezell. He's a professor of mathematics at LSU, and he's just, I mean, genius, okay? and But he came up with an equation uh, on what is the likelihood that Jude Wilson could pick uh, even a partial license plate, right, on, on, a, on a dark road, on a dark Texas Sunday night. Then uh, the – what is the probability that that plate license plate would be from the state of Louisiana? And, and just went back and forth and then he got up and explained all the shit and the theories he used. And this is what I wrote in my notes. I wrote, Holy shit. This guy is a genius. (laughs) I mean, I I couldn't even fucking follow it. It it, it was like equations and formulas, but basically the formula he used has been around since people started doing math. Uh, Um, he said the first time this theory was used or was ever written up was in 1718 uh, in some book or whatever. I don't know. So the, I mean, so he explained how he used this theory and everything and that the license chance of Jude being able to pick out even the partial numbers. And it didn't do the eight, just did the J and the W it um, was like less than, um, a percent, or, or it's even less than that when you put in a, the fact that it was a Louisiana plate on a Texas road. So, like, almost no chance. And in so LaCour asks a question, and it's like, well, what if you got this variable wrong? Or, you know, what if the 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 witness or the person who saw the license plate already had the knowledge of it? And the professor was like, well, he'd be cheating, right? And in whatever. So he got certified, uh, and they bring the jury back in, and he introduced himself, and they go through the whole shebang again, if you will. The same thing, basically, in the hearing. And uh, um, the and he gave him the percentage. And LaCour tried to say, oh, what's the probability if someone already had the plate or whatever? Same thing. No big deal. Neither really here nor there. So – that witness was done. Now, we're going to get into the meat. All right. The next witness called is Lace Evans. Now, Lace is Courtney's older sister. And I'm, I'm going to tell you my personal knowledge of Lace. Lace is Courtney's older sister. And when I was doing this investigation, and nobody knows this except for Lace and I think Miss, Miss Stephanie, but, uh, I, I interviewed her by myself, and I actually did a polygraph on her that everything she was telling was the truth. And guess what? She passed, and I wasn't being biased. I mean, it was certainly she's a suspect. It would have been a suspect for me if, if I was a detective working the case. But she passed. But 
Nobody knows about that. Uh, uh, but anyway, Lace takes the stand. And Hugo says, you know, who are you? She says, Lace Evans. And he said, how do you know Courtney Coco? She starts crying. She says, my baby sister. He said, well, how do you know David Anthony Burns? She said, well, he was my fiance for six years. He said, well, where'd you work? She said, I worked at a dental office. He said, the court, where did Courtney work? She said, she worked there with me, but she quit two days before she was murdered. So when did you last talk to her? He said, she said, I think it was on a Thursday um, at a gas station. The Thursday before she got killed at the gas station. He said, well, when did you learn what happened to Courtney? She said, it was, it was on October the 4th. 2004, and I'll never forget it. Uh, um, he said, well, let me back up. He said, what, what were you doing that weekend? And uh, he said, were you and Burns living together? And she said, yes. And and said, well, tell me your memory from that weekend. She said, I remember it vividly because I had fish. And my mama fish was having babies, and I was – scooping the babies out as they came out and put them in another container so the other fish wouldn't eat them. He said, and David and I were living together and we got into an argument and he got mad and he left. But about 45 minutes, he came back and she said, we got in a bigger argument and he left again. She said that was Friday night. And she said, I never saw him again until Monday at my mama's house. Once I'd gone over there, the whole family was over there after we found out Courtney had been murdered. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition, the true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Sayonara. 
Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it right i use astro every time my nasal allergies flare up and i'm always amazed at how fast i'm back in the game down on those roads playing my stuff get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with astro go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can astro and go today a-s-t-e-p-r-o allergy.com it's faster bro uses directive for relief of nasal congestion runny nose sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies astro and go And, and said that that was on Monday. Or, um, it, it, uh, he asked her, said, tell me about your vehicle situation back in the time. She said, we only had one car that was shared between the two of us. She said, I drove the car to work every day, and I drove it home from work every day. And he asked her about that Monday. She said, I had to get somebody to give me a ride Monday morning because I got up and David still wasn't home. Um, and I went to work and she said, I got the phone call uh, um, around noon from her mom. And she said, I was working. She said, I had to get her a ride that morning to work because I had no idea where the car was. Um, and then Hugo says, when you and David were together, did he ever give you any kind of jury? And she said, yeah, he gave me a promise ring. And she, he said, well, tell me about that. She said, Courtney and David said they were going to go buy me, pick me out a promise ring, right, to get engaged. Uh, um, so they went and picked it out together, and he gave me my ring, right? He said, well, tell me after Courtney was murdered, when did you go to the funeral home? She said, yes, went to the funeral home. And he said, well, what happened? said, the lady at the funeral home came up and gave me a bag of Courtney's belongings. And I looked in the bag and um, had like her belly button ring or whatever. And said, but I looked in the bag and she said, I noticed a ring. And she said, I had a ring on my finger, right? And she said, I picked this ring out. It looks almost identical to my ring. So I take my ring off and I put them together. It was a matching set, y'all. It was a total wedding set. This is, I mean, now I'm stopping and telling you, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I put it together. And it, and it was a perfect match. So, like, they snapped together. They fit together. So, when they went and bought the ring set, evidently, Burns gave one to, to Courtney and the other one to, to Lace. All right. So, um, 
back to it. It said it was a wedding ring set, and Hugo said, "Do you think that David Anthony Burns and Courtney Coco were having an affair?" And she said, "Yeah, I, I definitely know they were seeing each other." And he said, "Well, tell me about that." And she said, "Well, like right before the murder, not long before the murder, I had surgery, and it was like an outpatient thing, or whatever." She said, "Whenever those David and Courtney." Were, uh, together in a room with me and like I was at the hospital so they would disappear together and they, they have never seen you know that's like she said it just happened all the time she said I had my suspicions when she, when she was home from the surgery that her and David had another argument whatever and he left but she couldn't get up right and and but she needed help to get up and Courtney had promised that she would come help and David of course promised that he would help so she called David's phone first, no answer. And she called Courtney's phone, no answer. And she called David's phone back. And like, whether he picked it up with his butt or whatever, I don't know. But she said it clicked through. And she heard Courtney say, this this is on David's cell phone. She heard Courtney say, who is it? Or who was it? And then the line got disconnected. She knew they were together. Right. And she said she confronted him about it, the them two having an affair. And the, they both said, no, uh, um, they weren't having an affair. OK. But remember, she called Howard's phone got answered. She heard Courtney Coco say, who is that? And the phone hung up. So Lay said that she worked five days a week in that she had a cell phone and that she had a landline in her house and she was at work every day. Um, and Hugo said, well, did anyone else have a key to your house? And she said, nobody but David. And she said, so Hugo said, if, if we see the landline being used while you're at work and it's confirmed that you're at work. And she said it had to be him. And then he Y'all, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing thing. He said, tell me about uh, Courtney's comforter. And she's she been in her house, yes. And then what comforter? She said it was a leopard skin print comforter. Um, and when I went into her house to get her cats out, the uh, one of the cats ran straight into Courtney's bedroom. I had to get under the bed, and that was when I noticed the comforter was gone. She said, Later on, her and uh, Burns broke up, and but then they got back together. And it was about four years later, um, and Lace liked David's mama, right? So she said, hey, I want to go visit your mama. I hadn't talked to her in a long time. She said when she walked in, uh, the residence, her mama was sitting on the couch, and she was covered up in, guess what, a leopard skin print comforter. Now, she said... There's no way David Anthony Burns' mother would ever buy a leopard skin comforter. So then Hugo asked her, uh, said uh, something about the mom's and the grandma's grandma's eyesight, and they said, "I don't know." Um, he said, "He said, what about that weekend that David was gone and Courtney was murdered?" And he said, "You ever ask him where he was at?" He said, "She said, no, I didn't." And she said, he said, well, 
right before she got murdered, did you get something, uh, a new toy, if you will? And she said, yeah, I got a video camera. And so, so you just videoed everything. And she, she said, yeah, I did. He said, well, I'm going to show a couple clips of some videos. We're going to turn the audio off and, and you tell me if you can identify these videos. And it was, y'all, it was, um, videos of David Anthony Burns driving and evidently it looked like he was singing right in, uh, in the car and guess what was on the dashboard two pictures of seeing uh, two of Courtney's senior pictures now I know this because Miss Stephanie gave me one way back when I started the investigation and that's the picture I, that one her cheerleader picture the ones I kept beside my bed that scared my young son because he knew she had been murdered. And he told me years later that that he would come by my bed because of his pictures, but he had two of them, and like where the speedometer and shit go. And when I noticed this, when the camera panned down, guess what he had on? It appeared to me he had on Nike Air Force One shoes, but that wasn't that wasn't introduced. But they just wanted to show, I, I guess he wanted to show uh, – Courtney's pictures and 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 whatever and Anthony's demeanor or whatever. So the last thing he asked her, he said, "Lace," he said, "Detective Green testified that you were uncooperative in the investigation." She said, "That's a lie." And y'all, the detective Green didn't say that Lace went in uh, and took polygraphs and everything else and did. I mean, she really did cooperate, but and they. They questioned. They were hounding her ass, and 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 she got mad and left the one day. And her uncle, who's a was a U.S. marshal, said, "Hey, you go back in there and you tell the truth." And so she did. She went back in and she took a polygraph and evidently passed it. Um, but Green didn't testify about any of that. He's just saying she wasn't cooperative. I'm, I'm calling bullshit now on Green. So, Lacour gets up and starts to question Lace. He said, "Um, that." phone call you're talking about he said how did it end he said like she had hung up he said uh, he said okay um, did, did you know you're a person of interest in this case uh, uh, you know suspected of mur- murdering your sister she said yeah I was a person of interest and um, he said well and y'all worked together she said yeah we worked together he said, and all that time you worked together and all the time you spent with your sister, you never noticed she had on the same ring as you or, or, or that, that set to the ring? She said, I never paid attention to her ring. She always had on all kinds of jewelry, like costume jewelry and stuff. She said, I never paid attention to it. He said, well, did you know her roommate? And she said, Alexandra Wolf, or they called her Pocahontas. She said, but I didn't. She said, I didn't really know her. He said, well, I don't and she said she wasn't living with her at the time she was killed. So, so she put her out. And she said, yeah. And she said, do you know that she threatened uh, Courtney Coco with, with bodily harm? And, and she's like, no, I, I didn't know that. And she said, well, what about um, her, her Alexander Wolf's ID in ring? And they said that after Courtney Coco was Killed, she was cleaning out, Lace was cleaning out her own cabinets, and she found Alexandra Wolf's ID and ring, and she turned it over. Um, but, I mean, she didn't think anything of it at the time. So then LaCour starts hamming her about the timeline and all the stuff. Now, I told y'all that 
Miss Stephanie and Lana Michelle Messina kept this like 2000 page file on, on Courtney's case, right? The, uh, the, he starts questioning about it and hammering about it, hammering. I already knew the answer to it. He's hammering about this. Well, what about this in the timeline? What about that? And she's like, she's kind of taken aback. But guess what? Lace never had any part in this, y'all. He, she didn't have a dick to do with putting that file together. It was Miss Stephanie, Courtney's mama, Lynn, Courtney's aunt, Miss Ina, Courtney's grandmother, and Michelle Paul, Courtney's other aunt. And they, they, they took exquisite notes and all these suspects and everything else. And I, I had the file. I worked it. And, and that's where I got all my information from. But he kept hounding her about, hounding her about trying to trip her on it. And she was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. She said, I know my family kept the file. It was like, well, then this was such, such. She said, I don't know about that. He said, how do you not know about it? She said, I didn't have anything to do with the file. She said, I know they kept the file. She said, I never even read the file. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, um, all right. And he then he asked, uh, Hugo stood up and he said, hey, um, your last call to her was on Thursday. And um, she said, yes. And then that's, that's what I remember. She said it could have been Friday, but I think it was Thursday. Because that's what LaCour was trying to trip her up on, on the timeline. That I think it said um, her last call was on a Friday. So that was just wrong. Or she testified it was Thursday. It doesn't matter. And he said, do you know who Jitty is? And she said, yes, Floyd Lee Williams. And he said, who's that? She said, that was Courtney's boyfriend. And he said, who's Jackie Hampton? She said, that was Courtney's sister. Uh, um, that was Jitty's sister. That was and, and Courtney's best friend. And she, he, he said, about Pocahontas, he said, if you, you know her? She said, nope, never even met her. Boom. I think Lace, I mean, Lace was so worried about testifying and all that. And, and you know, y'all, in the end, she started out crying, but in the end, she was, like, pissed off uh, uh, for her sister, right? So, anyway, next witness is a Charlene Goldman, I think last name now is Dyer. They call her up. Hugo starts to question. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase things. You also want to run out of time. Let's see how much I got left to go. One second. Yeah, all right. I'm going to do this. So, gets up there. Uh, she's probably mid to late 40s, something like that. And he asked, she said, Do you know David Anthony Burns? And she said, Yeah. And he said, Can you point? Do you see him in the courtroom? She said, Yeah. I said, Where is he? And she pointed to David Anthony Burns, Hugo says, "Let you know the record f- reflect that the witness has pointed out uh, um, the defendant, David Anthony Burns." So he said, "Tell me how you met." She said, "We met through Chris Clark. Um, Chris Clark and Burns were best friends; they grew up together." He said, "Tell me about a, a Toledo Bend camping trip." And she said, "Well, I had." several conversations over a couple of months with Burns that troubled me. She said one time Burns brought up um, Veal, a.k.a. Prince, y'all. I told y'all was the guy seen driving Courtney's car in the neighborhood after she'd gone missing that day before it showed up in Houston. And he said, said what made me uncomfortable about it was that Prince – actually murdered somebody right in front of Charlene Goldman. 
and it was Charlene Goldman's friend. And she said Burns kept bringing it up and she said it made me uncomfortable. Uh, um, and Prince got 17 years for that murder. So Burns was kind of bragging about murder and, and you know, he did it and everybody saw it and he only got 17 years or whatever. So then he, he brings it back to other comments Burns made. She said David Burns made comments he would make comments about trips to Texas and dropping off a body, et cetera. And he said, well, okay, well, tell me about Toledo being camping trip. She said, Burns t- and talked to her about Courtney. Uh, and that Burns began drinking. And Burns said it was him in Ernestville. Y'all, that's Prince, right? And Ernestville's cousin. Then they all had sex with Courtney at one time, but no one would ever find out because they used condoms. And that Burns said he choked, and Hugo's asking questions, so I'm telling you what she said. Burns said he choked Courtney and showed his hands how he did it and said she was wrapped in plastic and put in a warehouse in Winnie, Texas, off I-10 between Beaumont and Houston. Boom, Right. That don't take that out, Jim. That's that's fire. And and Burns is telling her this, and after he's been drinking, he's telling her all this shit. And uh, Burns said there was a silver Mustang involved, and but he never ever said how. And but over the next couple of months, he said five or ten times over kept kept months. Burns kept telling me fucking kill Courtney. And it, it, she didn't say fucking shit. He kept telling me he killed Courtney. And she talked to a friend because it really bothered her. And a friend's like, you got to take this to the cops. So she went to Alexander Police Department uh, sometime between 2009 and 2010 and gave a statement and said the exact same things I just told y'all. All right. And Hugo said, did you know anything about Courtney's murder? Did you know Courtney? And she said, no, I, I never even heard of her. And uh, he said, she said, I didn't know anything except what was on the news. And she said, I had no idea where the body was found uh, or how she was killed, et cetera, until David Anthony Burns told me. Wow. Powerful, right? The core gets up and says, well, when in 2010, when you made your statement at Alexander Police Department, did the detectives have you call David Anthony Burns? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, was anything ever mentioned about Courtney Coco? She said, no, and he didn't say anything about it. He said, well, well Prince, were you aware he's the suspect? And she, she said, no. Uh, um, and he said, well, and you saw him murder someone else, and he got, he got off easy, right? And she said, yeah. I just said, he, he murdered my friend right in front of me. And he said, well, what if I told you Courtney Coco and Prince dated? She said, well, I don't know anything about that. She said, well, of course, said, well, didn't you possibly hear her body was dumped in Texas? She said, no. He said, well, do you know there's no evidence been presented that her body was ever wrapped in plastic? She said, no, I don't know anything about that. Other than what, what he told me, her body, he, he choked her to death and, and wrapped her body in plastic. Uh, and he cuts her off. 
He said, well, the sex with condoms, you know, that, you know, and he's, he said, well, you know what? The, the more he drank, the more he talked uh, about, and she was like, yeah. And so he talked about ch- choking. He said, well, you don't even know if, if he killed her or when. And he, you don't know if a Mustang. And she said, well, I, I only know what he told me. She he said, well, you don't know if a Mustang was used. And she said, no, I only know what he told me. And he said, I attended the witness. Hugo gets up and says, did you tell the detectives that Burns murdered Courtney Coco? She said, yes, I told them that's what he told me. And he, he said, did you tell the detectives Burns told you that he choked her to death? She said, and y'all never forget it, she lifted up her hands and she did a choke emotion to the courtroom. She said, he did this. He lifted up his hands. He made a choke emotion, and he said, I choked Courtney Coco to death like this. And I, I'm doing my hands. I choked Courtney Coco to death like this. Then I dumped her body in Winnie, Texas, in an abandoned warehouse. Hugo said, let me ask you something, Miss Charlene. He said, do you have anything against David Anthony Burns? She said, I have absolutely nothing against him other than what he told me. He said, do you want to be here? She said, no, I do not want to be here. He excused the witness. Pretty powerful. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, y'all, I'm going to touch on this last witness, and I'm going to end this episode. So the next witness Hugo calls is Carla. I, I'm probably going to fuck the name up. Carla Whipstein with Alexandria Police Department. Now, she comes in, y'all. She's probably late 30s, uh, close cut, haircut, uh, short, thin female. And, and he gets her on the stand. And he starts with, you know, who are you? Carla, blah, 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 you're a detective, 
you know, with Alexander Police Department, how long you been doing this, boom, boom, boom. And he asked her, he said, did you start to work on this case? And she said, yes, I did. He said, what did you do? He said, she said, well, I examined Courtney Coco's cell phone records. And she said, um, I got a subpoena for laces and David Anthony Burns' cell phone and landline records from back in the day. Um, he said, well, where did Courtney work at? He said, Courtney worked at Dr. I think it's Moran, uh, office with Lace. He's a dentist. He said in the morning around 6 a.m., they would call each other, like either from the landline to Courtney's cell or from Lace's cell to Courtney's cell, whatever. And then they would get, obviously they went to work. They were, you know, making sure each other was up or whatever. And they went to work. Um, he said, well, were there ever some calls made from Lace's landline during work hours? She said, yes, there were calls made from Lace's landline to Courtney Coco's cell phone. Now, Lace is a workout. Nobody else had a key. But David Anthony Burns calling Courtney's cell phone. So, well, tell me about some of those. She said, well, on uh, 10 17 at 1 11 p.m., Courtney actually called Burns' cell phone from her cell phone. And then she's given all these dates, y'all. I'm not going to borrow. September 8, 2004, uh, there was a two minute phone call between the two. September 9th, there was another call between the two. September 19th, another call. Um, and I think on the 19th, Burns called Courtney's cell phone, and uh, evidently she didn't answer or whatever, but Courtney called right back. Courtney, there was also a record that Courtney called Laces and, and David's landline and would immediately hang up and call David Anthony Burns' cell phone. On September 17th, Courtney called Burns' phone and then it hung up and the landline called Courtney's cell phone back. On October 1st, the last call made on Courtney's Coco's cell phone before it turned up in Texas, in Houston, Texas, was at 4.30 a.m. and it was called to Jitty which is Courtney's boyfriend's other girlfriend's mom's residence. She was able to establish that. And then Courtney's phone began to ping again on October the 3rd at 10 p.m. Sunday night around, yeah, I think around 10 p.m. Sunday night it shows up in, in Houston, Texas. And that was it. Uh, the core, you know, asked her, whatever kind of questions. It didn't ma- amount to a hill of beans. They, um, and they excused her. So we're down to the nut cutting time now, y'all. And the, uh, the next episode, I'm going to do the last of the witnesses and the closing arguments. And it'll be the last episode I'm going to do on it, on this case. But you need to hear it. It's important. Um, basically, Hugo's establishing exactly what he said in the beginning in, in opening arguments, which you heard. Uh, but, you know, everything from them having an affair to, you know, the ring being recovered off Courtney's body to the 
cell phone calls to Lace testifying that she heard Courtney on David's phone, uh, whatever. Then you got the witnesses that David Anthony Burns, oh, independent of each other, over the years told that he murdered Courtney Coco and dumped her body in an abandoned building in Winnie, Texas. Pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. So we're about to wrap it up. Now, real life, real crime announcements, and I'll finish this series next week. Um, y'all, we have the real life, real crime community app. Go to the app store, download it for free. It has everything real life, real crime on steroids. It's got all the news articles and forums and chat groups and games. It's got everything. Our store, our merchandise stores on there. I go there first every day and post and respond to people who have posted because I keep getting locked out of Facebook. Now, of course, we still have the crew page. I think 38,000, 34,800. I don't remember. It's a lot. It's up in the 30s. And then I have all my other Facebook pages, but I keep getting locked out. I'm going to the app first. If I don't get to respond to you in the crew page or wherever, go to the app. I'll respond. And it's that simple. Um, I like to, you know, stay in touch with everybody. And, and that's just what I do. I probably spend eight hours a day doing that. But then, uh, of course, I'm on Instagram at Real Life Real Crime and at Overton Woody. And we have a YouTube channel and all that stuff. And uh, you probably get another video uh, last week. I don't even know when this episode's going to drop because I'm so far ahead. It'll be frying turkeys again. Maybe I'll take some questions or whatever. Uh, Crew Bash, February 3rd and 4th, downtown Baton Rouge. February 3rd is the VIP event. That ticket gets you into the VIP event, which is going to be a throwdown. I get to hang out with everybody, take pictures, sign autographs, and party with y'all. And we have uh, a DJ or whatever. We'll do an auction again that night for Lopa in our our big Lopa raffle tickets will be on sale by now. And we'll, we'll do a special drop about that and all the different prizes. And, and you, hey, you want to donate, you can still donate a prize and, and we'll put you on there. But the goal is to raise money for Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. And there, we should have our hotel block listed. Um, it is the weekend of the Spanish Town Mardi Gras Parade, so we we can only get like 50 rooms at a time at one hotel and 10 rooms at a time in another hotel at, at a special rate because I'm telling you something, they're going to triple before that Spanish Town Mardi Gras. Now, it's not Mardi Gras, y'all. It's the, it's the big Baton Rouge Parade before the big uh, Mardi Gras in New Orleans. But we did it two, was it last year? Two years ago. Maybe three years ago, I did it uh, same weekend. It's everything's fine. Parking's not an issue. Whatever, they, they have plenty of parking downtown. The parade will be over. And Saturday night's a live adult, never before heard adult real life real crime throwdown podcast. And when I get done, the Chase Tyler band's going to play, and Chase Tyler, and they're going to rock the house. If you've been before. I know you're going to want to come again, but I think that we only have, uh, it's 250 VIP tickets available. And then so what you have another, not even 400 for sale for Saturday night. Y'all come check it out. Bloody Angola. 
my other podcast with my producer, Jim Chapman. We have a live scheduled for at Southeastern um, Satellite Campus in Walker, and it's scheduled for January 14th. I know those tickets are sold out by now. If we can get more dates, we'll sell them. That's going to be a very private, it's an intimate setting. It's 150 seats. It's like a, um, it's in a auditorium that's made for speeches, and each person has their own padded back seat. And there's going to be most of the, there will be alcohol served uh, uh, there. We'll have most truck and beers and stuff like that. And we're going to do a live bloody Angola. And when we get done, we're going to stay and, and take pictures and sign autographs until everybody's done. And when I did this for real life, real crime in the beginning, this same people, Miss Crystal Hardison and them, uh, back then it was Kelly Jennings too, gave us a start and we sold out three nights in a row. Right. So that was the start of real life, real crime doing lives. And so you get a chance, come and check that out. If there's still tickets available, it'll be worth a while. And I think that's it. The real life, real crime daily show. I, I probably have done a special drop by this. By now we're going to be starting a three day a week, live national and local news coverage show. You're going to get real life, real crime daily. Me and Jim Chapman are going to be bringing the heat on all the top stories. Uh, it's really going to be interesting. It's not Fox. It's not CNN. It's Woody Overton and Jim Chapman. And you're going to hear it like you never heard it from anybody else. So all your lifers, I love and appreciate you. Thank you for your support. Please don't forget about Miss Barbara Blunt. Y'all, we got justice for Courtney. We got justice for Mary. Uh, justice for Kim Womack. That that case has been taken from an accident to being worked as a homicide. I can't do anything about the progress or lack of progress thereof. It's an old case. I'm sure I'm sure the fine guys at Point Capiche Sheriff's Office are ha- handling their business to the best of their ability. So prayers on that case, but huge, huge prayers, and we need leads on Barbara Blunt's case. Uh, Calling them in, email it in. I don't care. You can remain anonymous. This is the one gray well, all right? Somebody knows what happened to Barbara Blunt. So help us out on that. Patreon of Convicts, you should be getting another episode soon, a bonus episode. The last one you got was war, and that's everything that happened to me while I was working uh what, I, three years to get justice for Courtney Coco? And I detail everything that happened. Um, so anyway, thank you for your support. As you know, this show couldn't run without you. If you want to become a patron or convict, you get early releases, commercial-free episodes. You get bonus episodes. Same thing for um, Bloody Angola. It, it, you get bonus episodes and early commercial-free releases and stuff like that. And there's different tier levels, but go check it out on Real Life Real Crime Community app uh, or go to Patreon. If you want to be a Patreon member, they have all our different tiers for Real Life Real Crime on there. In the app, we have what we call convicts, and that basically are, are subscribers through the app. And it's the same thing, same monetary amounts, same benefits. It's just... Some people like Patreon, some don't. And convicts is a lot easier uh, for us to manage everything. But that being said, Louisiana Oregon Procurement Agency, y'all know it's our jam. Buy your raffle tickets. 
uh, there's going to be some fantastic prizes that will be drawn for the night of the live bash in um, the fourth annual crew bash. And if you are a lifer from Saskatchewan, Canada, right, and you want to become an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. Go to lopa.org, fill out a little two-minute thing, become an organ donor. People, they save lives every day, right? Chances of your organs ever getting used are slim to none, um, but they do. And I know people that are alive today because of organ donors. Lopa.org, be a hero, give the gift of life. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so that's for sure. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.